Well, good morning and welcome to Callus Online. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we're finishing up our series uh, called Making the Adventure Personal with Part 7, uh, The Letting Go Adventure. Uh, trusting God through forgiving someone that doesn't deserve it. We save the best for last today. Uh, the main thing today is forgiveness is setting a prisoner free and realizing that prisoner is you. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through, tw- through 35. I want to invite you to turn there. Um, but before we do, I want to welcome everyone that is from Takaos Online. We're located here in Nicholsville, Kentucky, and we want to welcome uh, people from Central Kentucky and from Nicholsville, from Lexington, Georgetown, Lancaster, and Berea who are here from Central Kentucky. We also welcome people from Elizabethtown and Bowling Green, Kentucky. This week we heard from people in the states of Tennessee, Alabama, Virginia, South Carolina, Florida, Arizona, Texas, California, and the countries of Honduras, India, Hong Kong, and Pakistan. I want to give a special shout out to our uh, orphanage in India, um, uh, the kids that are watching there. We, I love you. I miss you. Hi. I'm glad you're joining us. Uh, it's all the church members there and our, and our ministry in India. Uh, love you guys so much. Um, and so uh, uh, thank you for joining us. And we're going to delve in right here with the, the uh, letting go adventure. Trusting God through forgiving someone that doesn't deserve it. C.S. Lewis once said, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. He goes on to say this, real forgiveness means looking steadily at the sin, the sin that is left over without any excuse after all allowance has been made and seeing it in all its horror, its dirt, meanness, and malice, and nevertheless being wholly reconciled to the person who has done it. Forgiving someone that doesn't deserve it is, a, is quite an adventure because a lot of us don't want to do it. Um, it's one that we don't want to take on. Forgiveness, however, is a staple of the Christian life. You can't have the Christian life without it. And so um, uh, it's an adventure that God has called us on. But before we delve into this adventure, we have to ask the question, what is forgiveness? There's a lot of misconceptions about it. Well, here in verse uh, 21, Matthew 18, verse 21, Peter, the disciple, came up to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? The brother or sister who sins against me, up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Now, see, Peter was approaching Jesus uh, thinking very, he's very holy because the Jewish law said that you were to forgive someone three times. So Peter doubled it and threw in one for extra measure to kind of show Jesus how holy he was. And Jesus said, whoa, time out, time out, time out. Forgiveness isn't something you count. Therefore, 77 times, and Jesus didn't mean 77 times, it meant quick counting. Because forgiveness is a different thing. Um, uh, well, but what does it mean to forgive? Um, is it saying nothing happened? Is it pretending like everything's okay? Is it uh, uh, acting like nothing happened? Is it like a nice thought that we give lip service to, but we don't really take any action on? What is forgiveness? Well, the Bible in this parable identifies forgiveness as canceling a debt. It's saying you don't owe me anymore. In, in verse 23 through, 20, through 27, Jesus says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. So, so debt is something that everybody 
nobody understands. Nobody wants to be in debt. And the Bible puts sin and the topic of forgiveness as a financial thing, kind of like uh, uh, Jesus is saying, we've got an account with God. Um, because it says the king here wants to settle accounts with his servants. And so let's say that I owe a visa. Let's say that I owe $100 million. Let's say I went wild on a weekend and, and racked up $100 million. Um, well, uh, there are two ways of getting rid of that debt. The first way is I, as the debtor, can pay it back. Okay, that's one way to get rid of debt. That's the only option that the debtor has. Okay, uh, the bill comes due, multi-millions of dollars. It's, a, you know, it, it, it's huge, and there's no way I'll be able to pay it. I'll spend the next hundred years not paying the interest, not even touching the principal on this debt. That's what, that's what this servant finds himself in. He owes millions of dollars. And, uh, and, and basically, he, he goes to the king, says, I'm sunk. I've got no excuse. I, I, it's a debt. No matter how hard I try, no way I'll be able to pay, pay it back. No matter how hard I work, how much I beg, how much I cajole, I'm done. It's over. I know it. And that's the situation he finds himself with the king. Isn't it amazing that in answering Peter's question, Jesus first tells him, whoa, let's back up a little bit. Let's look at your true state before God, Peter, before we talk about forgiving anyone else. Let's, get, let's talk about your relationship with God first because I want to give you a little perspective on this. You need some, pers- some perspective, all right? Uh, Jesus is saying, look, before you even start thinking about forgiving people, let's, get, let's, let's uh, look at our state before God, all right? That's the first step. First step, Jesus says, is to realize your utter hopelessness before God, your inability to pay back what you owe God because of sin, uh, your, your lack of any options of paying this back. Uh, uh, this doesn't, now, this doesn't stop some people. Some people still try to pay this debt back. They still try to get right with God. They, they, they get very legalistic. Um, they they uh, get very rule-oriented. I think that by following all the rules, by, by living a clean life, by looking better maybe than the people around them, that somehow that will help them pay back the millions of dollars they owe God. Um, Jesus ran into people like this. They were, uh, they were called the Pharisees. Not, not only did they try to live by all kinds of rules, thinking that somehow they would be able to pay de- back this debt that they owed, uh, they, they demanded it of others as well. Uh, they were very judgmental, very condescending towards the people around them. They weren't fair, you see. And, and they, they, they pointed out all the faults in others as if pointing out the faults in others uh, would somehow give them a you know, $20 or $30 credit in their millions of dollars uh, debt. Um, but Jesus constantly told them, stop, time out, stop, just stop. Your attempts to pay back this debt, you might as well try to empty the ocean using a spoon. That's a, it's going to be easier to empty the, the ocean with a spoon than it is to pay back this debt that you owe God. So just stop, okay? That's the first way the debt goes away. The second way debt goes away is the owner of the debt can cancel it. All right, this is what God has done. Verse 27 says, he took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. This is something only the owner of the debt can do, okay? Um, the one in debt can't do this. I can't go to my bank and say, um, I forgive my mortgage. It doesn't exist anymore. I can't go to the credit card company and say, hey, I forgive my credit card debt. The balance is zero. I can't go to the car dealership and say, hey, I forgive my car loan. Uh, the car is mine now. I mean, you can try it if you want. Uh, let me know how it works. But, but you, you can't do that. 
right? No, the only one, only person that can forgive a debt is the one who owns the debt, all right? Uh, and now, I, I can't go to my bank and say, hey, I, for, I forgive my mortgage, it's zero. Now, but they could tell that to me. They could say, Kibler, your mortgage is forgiven. Your debt is canceled. It's zero. They could do that, and they still might. I'm waiting by the phone with eager expectation, and I'll let you know when that happens. But in biblical terms, the only one who was wrong did, can cancel the debt. If anyone was wondering what Jesus did on the cross, what the big deal of Easter was, it was this. He looked at the sins of the world, your sin, my sin, everything, and he saw us basically trying to empty the ocean using a spoon, and he realized the utter futility of it, that we were sunk and we were hopeless with this debt we couldn't pay back. And he, how futile was it? Well, he realized that it was easier for Taylor Swift to keep a boyfriend than it was for us to pay it back. How futile was it? It was easier for a UK fan to cheer for Christian Leitner than for us to pay back this debt. How futile was it? It was easier for, a star, for Disney to make a good Star Wars movie than for us to pay it back. In other words, it wasn't going to happen. All right, so Jesus went willingly to the cross, and he suffered execution at the hands of the Romans, willingly to pay the debt, to uh, crucified, dead, buried, resurrected on the third day, to cancel the debt. What we were powerless to do, he did. He, from, the, from the empty tomb, he shouted to this world, your debt is forgiven. The balance is zero. What you were trying to do, uh, that you are incapable of doing, I have done, and it is to my Father's glory. That's what he meant when he said it is finished. And it would be so amazing if the parable ended right there. It would be so amazing if it ended right there. I would love it, but it didn't. Because Jesus knows who we are and how we are, and he knows that we can still make a mess of something amazing that, that, that had just happened. He goes on. He shows us that not everyone understands forgiveness. He not everyone understands death being canceled. Not everyone understands forgiveness. Matthew 18, 28 through 30. So this servant that just had his thousands, millions, hundreds of millions of dollars canceled. The servant went out. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Now, this is utterly psychotic. This is, this is psychotic. This makes no sense, okay? This guy was just liberated. Remember, he was facing being sold. His wife was going to be sold into slavery. His children were going to be sold in slavery. Every possession he had to pay the debt. He was, he was going into a life of slavery for the rest of his life. He was going to have his entire life wrecked. And all of a sudden, the king says, canceled. Go to the house. You're free. You'd think that he would run home, tell the wife and kids, we're debt free, do a big, huge Dave Ramsey scream, we're debt free, and that they would just celebrate the rest of their lives being saved from this life of slavery. You'd think that, but that's not what he did. He went out and found someone that owed him a minuscule fraction of what he owed the king, and he began to choke him. He began to physically uh, uh, throttle this guy and say, pay what you owe me. Exact same words. His friend says back, be patient, and I'll pay it back. But exact same words, only there's a big difference. When the first guy said it to the king, 
He was lying. There's no way he could have paid that debt back. When the second guy says it, it's actually possible. He wasn't lying. He could actually pay this debt back. This debt is so small, it's minuscule compared to the million, hundreds of millions of dollars the first guy owed. So it, it, was, it, was, it was nothing compared to that. But Jesus shows us something about ourselves that's really ugly. And I mean really ugly. He shows us this. He shows us that we forget so quickly that we once were the ones in debt. That we once were the ones that owed. That, that we, we, how quickly we forget how forgiving God has been with us. How quickly we forget what God has forgiven within us. I want to stop right there. Have you really stopped to think of what God has forgiven in you? Have you really, truly reflected on what God has forgiven in you? Wow. He shows us we lose perspective so quickly and we focus on the few hundred bucks that somebody owes us instead of the hundreds of millions that we owe the king. And Jesus shows us what happens when we do that, when we lose perspective, when we forget what God has forgiven within us. He shows us that we go utterly psychotic. We do something even more crazy. This guy, the servant, has his, has his fellow servant thrown in prison. Now think about that. Thrown in prison. He's, he's been forgiven millions of dollars and saved from a life of slavery. He has, uh, and then instead of celebrating, he goes and begins to choke the guy. Then he throws him in jail. Now, how in the world is the guy going to pay it back if he's in jail? Does this, does this guy think that there's some great high-paying jobs in jail that will allow him an income to pay back what he is? It's, it's, it's utterly psychotic. But that's the thing that Jesus is saying. When we live in unforgiveness, when we allow unforgiveness to dictate our actions, we lose touch with reality. We do things that don't make any sense. We do things that utterly counteract what we want. That's, what, that's the point Jesus is making here. He does the one thing that'll guarantee that he doesn't get paid back. Yet isn't that exactly what we do? We've been forgiven more than we could ever pay back and saved from eternity in hell, set free, debt canceled, totally forgiven. Instead of celebrating that, instead of spending the rest of our lives celebrating that as free people, we go and find people who have wronged us and we hold on to the debt. We say it's impossible to forgive it, so pay me back. Usually, that takes the form of us maybe getting even. Um, we want repayment. We want them to hurt. We want them to uh, feel what we felt. We want them publicly embarrassed, possibly, humiliated in front of everybody. Uh, we want them to pay up. We want them to feel it. And so we sentence them to jail. We throw them in prison until they can pay it back. It's psychotic. How will they ever pay back what they've done to us? They can't, because they, and they won't. So Jesus tells us to cancel the debt. We look at them, the people, then say the exact same thing that the king said to us. You don't owe me anymore. That's what forgiveness is. Hear this. That's what forgiveness really is. It's saying, you don't owe me anymore. I don't need an apology. I mean, you probably won't get it anyway, so... Quit, quit waiting for it. I don't need you to hurt. 
I don't need you to beg forgiveness. I don't need you to suffer as I've suffered. I don't need, I don't need anything from you. The balance is zero. The debt is canceled. We, you are not in my debt anymore. That's what forgiveness is. That's all it is. And that's why it's called the letting go adventure, because this can be one of the most difficult things to do. Some of you all may be mad right now what I just said. You're like, Dave, do you understand what's been done to me? Do you understand what you're asking me to forgive? Do you understand what so-and-so, this person, this person has done? How can I just let it go? You're asking me to just let it go. Well, I don't minimize what you've been through. I don't minimize that at all. Some people have been hurt and hurt deeply. And I don't minimize that at all, and I believe God will heal you if you will let him. We talked about that last Sunday. I believe he will heal you. But I'm telling you this, that living in unforgiveness is never the right thing. It isn't the answer. As a matter of fact, it, holding on to what people have done to you doesn't make it any better. Believe me, I've tried. It doesn't make it any better. Um, it destroys you. It destroys the people around you. I've seen homes that live in unforgiveness. It's awful. I, I wouldn't want to, I would not live in a house like that if you paid me all the money in the world where there's suspicion and second guessing and no grace and people don't forgive each other at all. I've seen homes like that. I've, I've worked at places that have a culture of unforgiveness. I worked at one place where every mistake, even an honest mistake, was taken by people as a cold, calculated maneuver that you were intentionally and deliberately trying to deceive them. That's the way, that was the culture there. The people just waited and salivated for you to screw up, and they pounced, and they pounced hard, and they reminded you of it and reminded you of it and just tried to beat you down. You know what, what, what working there was like? It was miserable. You know what the people were like that worked there? They were always on their guard. They couldn't let their guard down for a minute. There was no laughter. There was no joy. There was no joking. There was no grace. Nothing. People kept to themselves. They watched their words. They watched their steps. It was miserable. Everyone was tense. People distanced themselves from each other at work. Turnover was high and suspicion was everywhere. That's what unforgiveness creates in a work environment. And no one admitted to making a mistake. You would never admit to making a mistake because you get blasted if you did. What's so funny is that the people that waited to pounce, the people that were living in that unforgiveness, constantly complained. This was their complaint. Why are there all these fake people around me? You've probably heard that. Maybe you've even said that. Well, <laughs> what's, it, it was, uh, of course they act fake around you. The second they're human, the, the second they dare to be human, you jump all over them. You destroy them when they try to be human. So they put up a fake persona. If you're a person who only sees fake people everywhere you go, it could be that you're living in unforgiveness. That people are, see you as graceless, as merciless, as unforgiving, and they are keeping their distance from you. They are not free to be themselves. They're not free to even be human because you nail them when they do. And that's not any way anybody wants to live a family that lives in unforgiveness shouldn't be surprised when the kids grow up, they leave, and they don't come back. A, a, a business that has a culture of unforgiveness should not be surprised about a high turnover rate and inability to retain employees. 
A, a person who lives in unforgiveness shouldn't be surprised that people keep their distance. And a church that lives in unforgiveness shouldn't be surprised that there's no community, there's no love, there's no fun, there's no laughter, no freedom in Christ. A graceless church, you all, filled with graceless people will never reach anyone with the love of Christ. But much greater than this, is the ultimate price you pay for unforgiveness. A lot of people say, well, I can't forgive. That's, that's too high a price. That, that's just going to cost too much. Well, let's take a look at the price of unforgiveness. Jesus goes on, verse 31. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Do you understand the price of unforgiveness? This is, the, this is some really direct, harsh teaching that Jesus gives us, and one we need to pay attention to, because when we live in unforgiveness, if we, if Jesus seems to say here that the way we forgive people is the way that God forgives us, you say, well, wait a second, you're pulling that off from this parable? No, I'm pulling that from not only this parable, but from a famous prayer called the Lord's Prayer. People have said it all the time. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We are literally praying, Lord, I want you to forgive me the way I forgive everyone else. Do you understand what a dangerous prayer that is? Do you all really know what you're saying when you're praying the Lord's Prayer? How radical that is. Lord, I want you to forgive me the way I forgive other people. And that's the one prayer God answers with a yes every time. It's okay. All right. See, what, what Jesus is teaching us here is that, Lord, you have forgiven me this. I guess I need to go and forgive my brother or sister this. You've forgiven me hundreds of millions of dollars in debt. I guess I can let a few hundred bucks go. That's basically what Jesus is teaching us here. And if you don't understand the power of forgiveness, probably the most powerful instance of forgiveness I've seen in my lifetime happened a few years ago in Charleston, South Carolina. A white supremacist named Dylan Roof, young man suffering with schizophrenia, mental illness, uh, horribly racist, walked into Mother Emanuel AME, African Methodist Episcopal Church, sat for 45 minutes at a Bible study, this traditionally black church, and then stood up, pulled out a gun, and murdered nine people in cold blood. He was hoping to start a race war, the, 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 the media said. The next day, I mean, this was, this was I mean, it made international news. And you probably remember, you, the next day, there were riots and, and buildings burned and, 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 and people killed and, and all kinds of, you, 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 wait, you guys didn't see that? Well, there's a reason you didn't see that, because it didn't happen. What, what did happen was the family members and the church members, the survivors, 
the, the, the friends and the family members of the ones who'd been murdered in cold blood got on camera and they said to Dylan Ruth, they said, you've taken our friends, our family, you, are, you murdered them, you've taken everything from us. But we forgive you. They looked at the camera and said, we forgive you. We will not hold this against you. You know what did happen the next day instead of riots and, and, and violence? About 10,000 people took to the streets, white, black, Hispanic, people of all ages, languages, whatever. And they had what I described as a worship service. They were together. They held hands together and they walked over a bridge and they decided that this act of violence wasn't going to separate them. That is the power of forgiveness. That is the power that Jesus wants you to grab hold of. These, these amazing church members, these amazing family members, in the midst of their grief, in the midst of, of their friends and their family members being murdered because of the color of their skin, drew deep on their Christian faith, and they drew deep into that power of the Holy Spirit living within us, and they said, we forgive, we could take revenge, we could hold this against you, we could do that, but instead we choose Jesus' way. We choose the better way. We choose to forgive. And I'm asking that every one of you all today because of what the, the scriptures have told us, because of what Jesus told us here in Matthew 18, I'm first of all asking you, have you received the forgiveness from God that Jesus talks about in this, in this parable? Have you had your hundreds of millions of dollars canceled? Because if there are only two ways that debt goes away. Either you pay it back or, or the king cancels it. And let me tell you, you ain't paying it back. There's no way. All right? Have you allowed Jesus to forgive your debts? Have you been cleansed of your sins? Have you surrendered them to, to him? Have you seen the utter futility of trying to save yourself and accepted the sacrifice that Jesus made to cancel your debts that he's talking about? Or have you? If you haven't, you need to do that today. And the second thing is once you have taken that can't, once, once you have taken on that, once you have had your sins and your debts canceled, have you taken that joy, that love, that grace, and extended it to people who owe you one one millionth of what you owe God? Because that is what Jesus wants you to do. A Christian is someone who, who does for others what God has done for us. That's what a Christian is. We act towards people the way God has acted towards us. I'm asking you, have you done that? I'm asking you, will you do that? I'm asking you, do you know the consequences if you don't? Consequences to your family, consequences to your place of business, consequences to your friends, consequences to your eternity. Do you know that? Have you considered that? I'm asking you, forgiveness is setting a prisoner free and realizing that prisoner was you. And that's exactly what the guy in this parable found out. 
If you would like to hear more about having your debts forgiven, having your eternal debt forgiven, we want you to contact us. Please contact us. Send us an email. Send us a text. Uh, talk to us about that because we would love to talk you through this. That's what we're here for. We're a church. We're, that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're here to do. And so thank you all for being here. I pray that you all will take the forgiveness that, that the king offers and extend it to the next. Engage in the letting go adventure. Trusting God, forgiving someone that doesn't deserve it. Thank you. God bless. I'll see you next week.